Good morning. You're listening to My Rapids Real Estate Show on AM 1320 WFHR, your weekly radio show focusing on real estate, the market, and everything related to housing in central Wisconsin. Welcome back to another week. I am Ben. And I am Carrie Nikolai. And we are with Codal Banker Seward Realtors here in Wisconsin Rapids. Yes, we are. You are a licensed real estate agent. And you are my licensed assistant. And you are also my husband too. So it's great. We got a, we're a team, husband and wife team. And I'm just so adorable. You are. So this week in front of the microphones, we have ourselves. Just us. Because it is, it is that time of the month when a lot of activities are coming forth ahead of us. And we get to reflect on the state of the real estate market, what was, what is, and what is meant to be. I know. And it, it, today's going to be really exciting because we, again, this is pre-recorded. There is no script. So it's kind of like whatever thoughts we have is what we're, we're kind of talking about. So, Well, I do have some notes. Okay. Well, you have notes. We'll see how well we don't pay attention to those okay. because you know how well I'm at. So where do you want to start? Random thoughts. So I'm going to start with the exciting phone call I received on my way home tonight. Oh, because you you go ahead. I also have one myself. Okay. So I got this really great phone call. It is always the best when your cow guy gives you a call and say, the cows are getting fat. Would you like to buy one? So at this point, just to kind of fill everybody in, this kind of goes along with real estate for the same purposes of why work with a local real estate agent, because we know where all the best butcher shops are, or at least you and I do. You bet. So we've got them in multiple counties that we like working with and super excited that the cows are getting fat and we're going to be getting a new Jorge in. So tell them the backstory. But what does all this mean? Why, why are you rambling about cows? So years and years ago, like many, many moons, when my youngest was five, uh, we started getting cows from Ted Volker. So he's my cow guy. And my youngest decided to name his cow Jorge. So every single year, every single time we got a cow, we always called it Jorge. And it's the best beef that you could ever find. It is all naturally it's grass fed. They are plump cows and it's all hormone free. And the best part is they're, they're awesome cows. We enjoy them. So now it's, it's all that, you know, kind of foo foo sort of expand your mind sort of, you know, great. We, we love the earth stuff, well, it, but it's also very, very practical because it it's there. He's local. It's mm -hmm. we're based on, you know, our local, um, products here and it's, you know, the, the local feed and the local cows and yeah, it's, it's, it's better. And it just, so what, one of the things with cattle production, you know, the mass produced cattle type items that maybe come from across the country. Well, it has to get to a processing plant. And then that has to get, you know, delivered. And mm -hmm. so there's all that fossil fuels that are, you know, with that whole production as well. And then, you know, at the processing plant and it's more uh, streamlined, mainstream, you know, high production and it's just more, more fossil fuels. So we're actually, I, I feel really, really good about it. Mm -hmm. And the, the end product, the meat is phenomenal when you go with a local small herd sort of uh, cow and butcher. Yeah, it, it's really great. We've got, you know, like I said, we've got them in our butcher shops in multiple counties. So we've got one in Marathon. So we use Marathon Butchering. Marathon City. Marathon, yep. yep so yep. we've got that one up there and we've got Rudolph. Right. Which is our Wood County. So we've got Wood County. You know, Pete's uh, Meat Market is really awesome to go visit. They've got a lot of uh, different Fridays. So it's not just beef. So they've got chickens. They got fresh range chickens there. Um, they also have the grass fed beef too. So if you did want to have that nicer cut for, you know, Mother's Day or Father's Day, you know, definitely stop out at Pete's and take a look at what their selection is. And the really nice thing is if you're looking for something in particular, they will work with you on getting that in. 
kind of the boutique experience. Yeah, it, it's always great. And then we also use Donna Watoma, mm-hmm. their butcher shop as well. So, you know. And I used to frequent one on Highway 10. It's right behind the Culver's there by Target. Mm-hmm. I forget what the, I think People's Meat Market or something up there. And if you want to go a little bit farther south for just a little bit longer of a drive. Yeah, where does the sun go? We got Leroy Meats down down south. So I'm not sure which, there's two locations of Leroy Meats. Right. So he visits both of them. And again, really great food, really great people who work there who, uh, you know, We'll take care of you. And, you know, using a local real estate agent. So we're going to bring this back to real estate because, you know, we're talking food again right off the bat. But, you know, working with those those local agents of, you know what, as a new buyer coming in, maybe you're coming from the Twin Cities or from the Chicago area and you're used to having a small local butcher shop. We know where they are because we have frequent them often. And, you know, liquor stores, you know, kind of a boutique thing as well. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be pairing your certain meat with a certain beverage, you know, we can help kind of guide you to where you can get those provisions. And if anybody out there is listening to this and knows someone who raises lamb, give me a jingle. I am looking for a new lamb guy. So it's been a while since we've had lamb in our variety of meats that we eat. That's true. It has been. It has been a while, but I am looking for a new lamb person. So anybody who out there knows someone who raises lamb and, you know, does this kind of the same thing, a local farmer, I would love to get a hold of their name and number, go meet them and see if we can work something out to have some, some lamb come home. Now, one of the takeaways that I've always gotten from the, you know, buy a large chunk of meat and hold on to it for a while is the thought of the preparation and really understanding that we budget a certain amount of food. You know, we understand how much we're going to consume in whatever it is every year or every six mm-hmm. months. And if we can budget our money to correlate with that, it is per pound far cheaper and far better quality to go with the local meat market approach and then store it in a freezer. Right. And I've, I've even thrown in some quick calculations for how much electricity and yada, yada, yada. And it's, you're, you're coming out ahead versus buying it per meal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at, at the butcher shop, even, you know, per meal is per steak more expensive than buying it bulk, you know, a half a cow or a quarter of a cow. Right. And we always suggest it when you start on this, this road of how much cow do I buy? Because- they're large animals, you know, um, we always suggest to start with a quarter cow and just to see how far that quarter cow gets you throughout the year. Now, our youngest can eat a quarter cow over the whole entire year. So we know that, you know, when we do this, we need to buy at least him a quarter cow. The rest of us can eat the rest of the quarter cow too. But, you know, when he's, when you've got that big eater in the family, Sometimes this is the best option to go with because it's going to be, like you said, in the long run, it's going to be more cost effective to buy that half of cow. And that way you, you can have, you can spread that, that budget out, but you know, you can definitely get your, well, we use marathon. So marathon, when we go there, you know, they ask how many pounds for our ground beef, you know, do you want them in a pound or do you want a pound and a half or a two pound log? So you can already have that pre-figured out of you know what, when we make spaghetti and meatballs, we need to have two pounds or we're doing meatloaf that needs to be in, you know, three pounds. So that way you can already figure out how many times throughout the year you're going to have set items and, you know, you can kind of guess to how much cow you're going to need. Well, and that changed for us as well. Mm-hmm. So we're empty nesters right now and, you know, the children have flocked away to their own nests, mm-hmm. flown the coop as it is. And we went from the, what, two or three pound logs down to the one pound log because we're just doing, you know, more of a two person meals. Right. And we might have a little bit of leftovers for, you know, the the meal tomorrow, but not usually, you know, but if they were in three pound logs, like we had been with the full family here trying to feed four people, well, it kind of seemed like five some days when the boys were hungry. Right. But, you know, know, it's, it's kind of, you can adjust it then 
to suit your needs as well. Right. And it, it's really great. You know, now that the youngest is, he's got his own place, he, we store his cow for him. So he's got to come home. He'll drive two hours just to come get his, his cow. Oh, he just wants to see you. He wants his cow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he'll, he'll drive, he'll come and get it, but it, then it's in perfect sizing and in perfect portion for him. You know, so we can pick out how thick we want the steaks to how many pounds, if we want to do a roast. It's really awesome to be able to work with those local butchers to really kind of zero in on what the family needs are. One of the things we learned in this last year is, you know, stocking a pantry. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to, you know, there's some negative connotations about, oh, the prepper and the end of days type of prepper. Well, no, let's be sensible about preparing for what's going to happen in the year. Right. And I think, you know, with the, the mental stress, you know, again, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. It is. You can reduce a lot of stress of not knowing what's going to happen in life for the next 12 months by having a small stock of food that is pertinent to what you're going to be eating for the next year. And then once you use some of that stuff, you can grocery shop and just replenish that. So you always have that stock and then you're just replenishing a little bit at a time. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're really big about the meal planning. So some of our our younger buyers that we talk with, especially when they're, this is going to be their first time, you know, out of the dorm room or, you know, we're no longer living with mom and dad or with the rent, with the, you know, we've got five guys, you know. Or close to, yeah. Maybe maybe you're uh, buddying with an apartment or something. Right. And it's like, how how do I do this meal planning? How do I do this? And I think that is the biggest struggle for all adults is the meal planning. Right. And I made it super simple. I mean, this is hands down the simplest way to do it. And it's going back to kind of like your elementary days. You know, the school would publish that weekly, this is what lunch is. And we took that and we use that for our benefit because the school already has to have that balanced meal to begin with. And they already paired it with fairly decent foods. but we would cut up that menu and kind of shuffle it around and we would just pick whatever that is. So if it was something we really didn't like that the school made, I mean, I think back to my elementary years, we all had that one dish that the school served that we were not going to eat. And for me, it was always that seven layer dinner. So it was just like a goulash of something. Yeah, We don't know what it really was, but they said it was good for us. And I don't think any of us ate it. But, you know, just take out the ones that you don't like. And then, you know, you just kind of pick and go, okay, you know what? Today, it's going to be a pizza night. This is what I need. The next day, hey, look, we're going to be having, you know, hamburgers. The school's already put together that list of what you should be having as far as your vegetables and stuff like that. You just get to change it into how you like to cook. It's already giving you the idea. You just now change it. Don't make it like the elementary school. No offense to any cooks out there who are in the elementary school or cook for schools. I've been there. I cooked for a manual. You can only do so much. Right. You can only do so much with it. You know, you can't put your family spin on it, but then have those, you know, meals that your family really does like, you know, like the shrimp carbonara or just shrimp scampi. I'm going to say a lot of shrimp now. Not that I'm looking at a shrimp cookbook, but we just got done having shrimp the other night. So it was delicious. There was a lot of garlic involved. There was, it was very garlicky. It was a garlic night. Well, and then look at uh, schools outside of your area. Yes. Um, or if you've moved, maybe check back at the schools that were in your old area, kind of get some nostalgia and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. When we moved, I had, my parents kept boxes, um, you know, small postal boxes full of things from my grade school days. And so I've gone through those now and it's kind of, Need to look back at what I was eating in, you know, fourth grade, way, mm-hmm. way back, you know, 30 years ago. And then comparing those menus to what the uh, the menus are today in the school system. Not much has changed. No, but I remember they tasted different back yes. then. Probably because yep. we were younger. We were younger. I don't think we knew better. You can even then, instead of, you know, if you want to do the, ind- take take the meal per day, and just, you know, cut out each day and say, hey, this is an entire meal that's already been planned. But you can even break those up into their general categories, right? Because right. Every, every meal has a protein and um, 
a vegetable, and, and a starch, and a dessert. And your favorite drink. Right. So the white milk or the chocolate, chalky milk. Right. I mean, you can make like a wheel. Kind of like play Wheel of Fortune, but this is what we're eating. Have your proteins, have your, your vegetables, have your starch, and have your dessert. Or have them all in individual baskets and, you know, the, the kids can pull one from each basket for each meal and it's still kind of more random then. Right. I mean, it, it's a great, I mean, great opportunity, you know, there to, you know, help with that budgeting as far as, okay, well, you know, then I'm only going to shop for that week of what I really need versus walking through the grocery store, just randomly pulling stuff off the shelf. And now your bill is, you know, more than what it really should be because we're just kind of going, ah, I don't know what I want to eat tonight. And for goodness gracious, don't go shopping hungry. No, no, no it never turns out well. All you do is buy chips and Cookies and ice cream. Yep. Yeah, I think I came home did when I did that once and I went back yeah, later but, on. But you got Oreos. So, I mean, you know, hey, plug out there. Exactly. Um, there, there's so much we can talk about, about simple meal planning and kind of thinking ahead for the future in, in this way. You mm-hmm. know, again, going back to buying what you need, but buying what you like. Well, and even as a seller side of this, so, you know, let's flip the coin. We're talking about the buyers of moving into a new area, but now I'm a seller. You know, we've done all this prep. We've got now a cow sitting in the basement. We now need to move a cow. We got to move all this, the storage. It's okay. The cow is dead. The cow is dead. Um, But, you know, just trying to figure out, okay, well, if I got 30 days, you know, how much of that supply can I eat up so that way... I don't have to move it because maybe we're not moving into a house right away. We're kind of doing a little bit of a puddle jump where we're going to go live with mom and dad for six months while the house is being built. So trying to figure out that little pattern yet too of, okay, we're moving. We don't know where we're moving to. And now we have all this food. What do we do with it? And you don't really want to put so many boxes of pasta and grains and stuff in a storage unit. They're, mm-hmm. they're not exactly sealed against mice, rodents, yada, yada. Right. You know, I mean, there's some ways around it. You can package it up in, in more of a bulk package and, mm-hmm. and secure it that way. But yeah, thinking, kind of thinking that through. You know, I know we had our children come and went grocery shopping a couple times through the pantry because we knew we were moving, didn't know where we were moving to. Or how fast. Or how fast. And so it's like, hey, kids, come on over if you need some groceries because I don't want to move it. And so it's, it was great. You know, our, both of our boys did take advantage of that, which is what we wanted them to do. You know, they went shopping and they didn't have to go grocery shopping for a little while. We knew that the food was going to be used. And so it was kind of, we were, we were good with that. Um, and with your pets as well. Um, I, I know you can work with the, the butchers and sort of the, the secondary portions of meat you can collect and use for animal feed if you want to make it on your own. Okay. Um, but then the other thought process is we noticed that our cat eats the same thing for all of her meals every day. Yes, she does. Humans are a little bit like that. We tend to keep to the similar things that we enjoy and we eat routinely similar things. You know, yeah, we mix it up. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like, you know, the same 20 things, the same 20 recipes. But we tend not to get creative because those are our comfort food items. So once you figure out what those routine items are that you eat the most, um, and I know I know for me it it kind of trends. I'll get on a trend where I eat a lot of eggs. I was gonna say you eat a lot of potato chips, and then you switch to um, pizza or cereal, or you know munchies, or I, I eat sandwiches for lunch, and then I just don't you know, a couple months and then a couple months I don't, but we, we gravitate toward those same things over and over again. So you can kind of stock up on those things. Well, that you we're like. getting into the grill season. So right. this is the time not to use that stove in the house because we don't want the house any hotter. So we step outside. What can I make on the grill? Can I make the whole entire meal on the grill? Because if I can, gonna. And you can. I can. Mm-hmm. That is right. One of the big trends is you know, nationally, we talk about things that are hot or not. Mm-hmm. One of the hot things is making outdoor living spaces, right? It, it, they, they proposed it as what is a not trend. And the, the not 
trend is to have large manicured lawns full of huge expanses of grass. And I was sad when I heard that. That's okay. But then they kept going and they explained that converting your outdoor spaces into outdoor living spaces. Right. We may have a small house, but if we can make that big yard feel like an extension of the house, having that connection to the outside is is going to be key. Part of that is outdoor kitchens. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to develop ours. Right. So my kids were gracious enough to purchase for me a outdoor, is it a table? We keep calling it the back bar. Yeah, it's kind of a back bar. But it, it's a table with a little bit raised up table. It's, so it, it's plastic. It's plastic. It's one um, of those um, sun cast yeah. prefab kind of in a pack. You have to put it together type of things. And it wasn't too bad putting it together, but no, they, you know, easy. they got that for us. We, we have now all of the outdoor cooking equipment in there. So we've got all the pudgy pie makers, the marshmallow makers already all outside, ready to go. So that way when the kids do come over, we're ready to go for any kind of a- outdoor activity. You know, this, this is going to be the episode where we're getting ready for that summertime activities. We really are. We are. And, and that's, that's great. I mean, it's hopefully the frost is done. I hope. It looks like it. So, you know, now is the time we're going to start talking about planting of the garden, you know, getting stuff like that prepared. You know, we got a really cool bird feeder. I think so far it's the best one yet that we've been able to find. But, you know, it's time to start feeding those birds, getting everything like that all set set up and situated, which is going to be really fun. It's going to be a fun time outside. So the garden centers are open. They are. The greenhouses are open. Yes, sir. Um, it's a perfect time to go out and, and start finding those plants. And I think really those hard frosts are behind us. Okay. So getting the plants out into the garden and, you know, finding more of a permanent home. So whether you do window boxes for, you know, your annual flowers, that's neat. You want to go over to the hosta stop and get some hostas. We did. We did. Which ones did we get? We got the Jurassic Park and the T-Rex. So we tried to do like a dinosaur theme. With our house? They only had two. They only had two. There were a couple more animals, like a, a blue whale or something. Yeah. And wolverine. And wolverine. So, you know, wolverine would have been fine. We're okay with the wolverine series. Right. So. So we're going to use those as foundation plantings. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a week or two ago, so still a little bit early then, there was a, a frost that had come through, and we didn't want to get them in the ground and then have them destroyed. So we, you know, kept them undercover a little bit. We did. And this weekend, I think we're going to plant those and get mm-hmm. those situated in, in the ground. Um, I'm not sure how we're going to do it. I understand that we're going to dig a hole and just put the plant in. I mean, I understand how we plant a plant, but um, we have rocks in this in the way. So we've got to deal with the rock situation first before we can dig the hole. Right. So our, our foundation planting beds were... Uh, instead of mulch, they used um, I forget, decorative I, rock. Decorative rock. Yeah, I think it's uh, two inch minus. So between two inch and like five eighths of an inch. Okay. Kind of like river rock. I'm going with it's decorative rock. It is decorative rock. Yep. It's not the lava rock, but decorative rock. And and we like it versus mulch because mulch comes with a whole bunch of problems, mm-hmm. whether it be staining because of the coloring or what it brings in as far as insects and other um, weeds and whatnot. You know, we other things we do not want to deal with. Right, and then it's it's kind of more difficult. Then you have to replenish the mulch year after year. So we we actually enjoy having. The decorative rock, I think. We do. As long as the rock stays in where it's supposed to stay, mm-hmm. I'm good with it. I don't like when the rocks travel into the yard because I'm always afraid that the lawnmower is going to kick it up and hit it at the house or hit it at, you know, another person and someone's going to get injured by rocks flying. So I'm very on the, let's put the rock and keep the rock in a spot. So let's go back to where you kind of started with kind of the preparation, the, the, the cow and the <laughs> preparation, you know, buying half a cow or a mm-hmm. quarter of a cow is a lot of money. It is. Um, what really, what, when you narrow down your budget of food and budget of money, everything becomes so much easier. And mm-hmm. that stress is, do, people stress a lot about what they're going to eat every day. And, they do. And like you said, it's, it's one of the hardest things to meal plan. It is. So part of that is gardening. Mm-hmm. So what are we planting in our garden this year? So we're 
going to be doing some tomatoes. Tomatoes. So we're going to do the Roma tomatoes. I found Roma tomatoes this year and I'm super excited that we found them. Um, last year we couldn't find them. So very excited about the Romas. So that way we can do our ready spaghetti slash chili. So I process everything. So we got the peppers that we grow here. Um, and we season everything up so that way either it can be spaghetti sauce or it can be quickly made into a chili base. So all the seasonings ready into it. It's just open up the, the jar and put it in a pan. If it's going to be chili, just add two cans of, of beans and ground beef that's already cooked. And maybe a little bit different seasoning. Um, Usually not. Oh, okay. No, I usually just, it's the same seasoning. You wouldn't know unless I didn't tell you, but it's the same seasoning. So well, I know now. Now you know. So, but yeah, it's just, you know, open up. It, it, the kids love it that way. So that way it's easy for them. So I did everything easy for a 12 year old to make. So they Box knew. Of pasta, a tube of meat and a can of the tomatoes, spaghetti sauce stuff, right? No, we don't put the noodles in our chili. What? That would be a goulash. Well, there you go. So, you know, I, I try to do menus that, you know, the youngest kids can make that would be easy that they just knew, grab one of this, two of this and ground the beef. Simple and easy. They didn't have to worry about the seasoning and making sure it tasted fine. So everything's all pre-seasoned. So that way it's just open up the can and go. Now, if people are curious about getting into doing the canning stuff and that part of the meal preparation, mm -hmm. you know, like making the kind of pre-made tomato sauce, you know, uh, spaghetti sauce, like you were talking about. Um, one of the things I, I would challenge people is to be aware of what you buy from the store so that you can replicate that. Yeah. So if, you know, you know the recipe that you like to make calls for one jar of blah, whatever, you know, re remember what size that jar is. You can even kind of look and see what ingredients are in there that kind of stir, you know, what, what, what I put in my own and then probably Pinterest has some recipes and Google and cookbooks. Yep. Really just kind of taking a look at books that are designed for home canning. Sure. So sticking with those would be the best. So that way you can, I mean, you can take five cookbooks and look at the spaghetti recipe in five different cookbooks. None of them are the same. So there's really, when it comes to kind of making the spaghetti sauce, there's no set rules of this is what it needs to be. So maybe you like yours a little bit more with more pepper in it than onion. So your ratio is going to be different than what the cookbook calls for. So it's just a matter of what do you like? So I always encourage people just to start with small batches right? and just to see, okay, how did this taste? And then if you're really good, which I do not do this, write it down. So as you're doing it and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to cut up 20 tomatoes, write that down. Because in that way, when you have to go back and you're like, okay, I like how this turned out. Three hours later, you're not going to remember that it was 20 tomatoes. You're like, um, it was about that many. Which is kind of hard to judge what that many really means. You, you, you channeled the spirits of your ancestors. You do. And you just went by feel and they said, child, that's enough. Move and then on. It was. Yeah, you just move on to the next one. How, how do I know how long to keep stirring this for? You just wait till that feeling that you know that it's enough. When that shoulder burns, just right. You give it two more minutes, then you're done. <laughs> I mean, that's how I make my Alfredo sauce. I mean, they're right. my sons try to re replicate that because they really do like my Alfredo sauce. But I've been making this for twenty plus years, and it's just this is this is what you do, and nothing's measured. I know the ingredients, but I don't measure it. And I've never been able to write it down because I just pour the milk in and go, okay, that's enough. And then add the cream and go, okay, that's enough. And off to the races we go, nothing just got measured or written down. So at some point there is a science to it, but at some point you just kind of do, this is what we do. But really being aware of what you like and if you experiment, like you said, start in small batches. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work out, invite your friends over and have a party and they can eat it for you. I mean, there are sometimes, I mean, I can totally mess up a, a tomato sauce and you just kind of keep adding to it because you already know it's not that great. 
But then you're like, well, what if I added this to it? I wonder if this is going to make it better. Or, you know, like we've discovered, you know, I made some pulled pork that we just added a little bit too much adobe peppers to it. She was a little bit more on the spicy side than what we really wanted. But we learned very quickly that, you know, you're going to cut it with some brown sugar to sweeten it up. It'll take some of that heat off. Same thing if you use molasses. It's going to cut that heat down just a little bit. So kind of experiment with some of that stuff. So you may not really know that you should be putting molasses in your spaghetti sauce or you can put balsamic vinegar in there. It's going to give you a different flavor and a different taste that you're not really used to. But if you mess it up, you mess it up. Just keep adding stuff to it. And have it for leftovers tomorrow and it'll totally taste different as well. Right. Well, not totally, but yeah, it'll change the palate of it. Yeah, the flavors will meld just a little bit together. So it'll be really, it will have either a deeper flavor Mm -hmm. to it, or if it's too spicy, it's going to make, it's going to kick it up maybe a couple notches. Okay, now I'm back thinking of our new homeowner. Okay, new homeowner. In Wisconsin Rapids and most communities around the state, um, certainly, we have farmer's markets. We do. So if you don't want to jump into growing, you know, this is a process, right? You got to grow it. It's got to wait and that Well, thing the first and- thing is, you know, you got to find the house. So you, once you find the house, then you got to figure out the sun patterns to where to put the garden. So it's not like I can move in today and start planting the garden tomorrow because probably where I put the garden is where it's going to be all shade and no sun. And then it's going to be on top of a sprinkler head. Well, then do you do raised beds or do you do container gardening? Right. It, it, there's a lot that goes into it. Mm-hmm. But even if you're, you know, you only get that house that has a small yard. So we're looking at, you know, the teeny tiny square footprint. 0.13 of an acre. Yeah. Those tiny places you're like, you know what? I really do enjoy fresh produce. And I do want to do some of this. I do want to do some of the canning. The farmer's market is excellent. Over on 48th Street, we have, um, oh, down on the farm. Down on the farm. So down on the farm, I love going there in the fall. I can get all the vine stuff that I want. So I can get my squashes. You can get the spaghetti squash, the acorn squash, the butternuts. And then there's like one, I think it's Hubbard. So those four squashes, I don't have to grow in my yard because I can let them grow it in their big fields and I can go get the benefits of fresh grown produce that I can process and have throughout the winter. I think one of the things that as far as uh, physically that we've gone through a, a change because of being in the city and all these things are available to us all the time. I mean, you can get fresh strawberries in February. How does Mm -hmm. that happen? Right. Um, We've gotten away from what our bodies were created and based on meaning a farming cycle. So you could only get fresh produce that you could grow. You had to preserve some of it, but you, I mean, you couldn't preserve more than what you could eat because it only has a short shelf life. Now now we've created artificially that we can preserve these things for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's also a, a neat way to get your body back into a sync and a rhythm with, you know, nature. That sounds really kind of high level and stuff, but it might be better for us physically because you do more physical things in the summertime because you can be out and active and you're a little bit more docile in the wintertime. So your diet should probably change with that. Well, the farmer's markets can help and mm-hmm. also planning like we've, we've been talking about here for the last half hour. Planning is, you know, kind of a, a key to all that. Yes. And depending upon it, so, you know, you were talking about the strawberries of how they get everything fresh and it's, they come from different parts of the world where it's fresh during that season for right. that part of the world. So because in Mexico, they can grow tropical fruits right. almost all year long. Right. Even and even there, even down there, they have, you know, they have their season of when it mm-hmm. really is ripe. And a lot of times, you know, they'll pick, pick everything when it's not ripe and it'll ship to Wisconsin and it will ripen on its way. It's kind of like how we take the green tomatoes off the vine and at the end in September, October that haven't changed yet. We don't throw those out. We take them off the vine and we let them sit on the kitchen counter for a week. And next thing you know, they're ripe. They ripen on the way. Same exact thing when it comes from a different part of the world. And now I'd like to take a moment to thank the truckers out there moving produce all across the world. 
And we do. We appreciate the truckers. Really, it's, and that's another thing that we learned in this past year mm-hmm. is how important those infrastructure items are. And it's it's just phenomenal once you start delving into where your food comes from mm-hmm. and the everything that goes with it. And then not just the, you know, items like we like to talk about or that you taste the most. So your produce items, um, but also spices and those additives, sugars and flours. And I mean, I, I could go on the, the internet and just spend hours trying to go down these rabbit holes, you know, the history channel and the science channel and, and Oh, my favorite thing to do is when I went into the schools and talked to the kids, um, especially the French class. So it was my favorite thing to do with the French class is they would come in and we would make cream puffs. You know, something very simple, something very easy to do, except for all of my recipes are in ounces. And so I would look at the kids and say, okay, I need eight ounces of of flour. And they would look at me and they go, that would be one cup, Carrie. I go, oh, really? So I'd bring out the scale and everything and... I take my one cup and scoop up some flour and put it into, you know, a container on the scale. I said, well, that's only 4.6 ounces. They're like, what? I'm like, your one cup. Yes, you've been taught all these years is eight ounces. Yes, it is, but not always. So, you know, kind of teaching the the kids the difference of different flowers have different weights. So one cup of flour for a regular all purpose versus a bread versus the cake flour all have different weights to it. So when we look at recipes and it says ounces, you haul out the scale and you weigh out your food or the ingredients because that's what it needs. It needs that, the weight ounce, not the cup ounce. So if I wanted to add in four ounces of water or cream, you can still I, use, I yep, can you can still use that. that by weight? You, no, you can still use your, your regular measuring cup that, you know, mom and dad always used. That is the correct amount. So that is four ounces. Well, the one cup would be eight ounces. Eight ounces, okay. So the half cup would be four. So, But the fluid ounces and dry measuring are, are, are two different. Two different things. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, it was always great, you know, back in the culinary days is... We get someone new in and they need to go make the fish batter and everything is in ounces or in pounds. And first thing they do, you know, they see that cayenne pepper and they need four ounces. Boy, was she spicy because they didn't know they needed to grab the scale. So little cooking tips tonight, today. Fantastic. So anyways, back to real estate. Um, so yeah, work with your local agents. We can definitely get you hooked up with the, you know, what your what your family's used to as far as food goes. You know, are you used to having, you know, a butcher shop? We can get you hooked up with a butcher shop. We can get you hooked up where all of the, you know, the farmer's markets are going to be because they're throughout the city or throughout a couple cities, you know, different times of the week. So if there's a particular farmer you like to follow, they may be down in Rome on Tuesday, or they might be back up in Rapids two days a week. So depending upon where, what you like and where they're at, we can get you hooked up. Well, and with so many things as, as well, your real estate agent is, you know, they, they know the area. We are like the yellow pages. Only better because, well, we're human. Well, and if we don't know, we're going to know someone who does know. Exactly. Right. Our Part of our business is making connections in the community mm-hmm. and keeping top of mind in the community. And that can benefit our clients as well. So even after the transaction, I, I know our, our job as a realtor is finished, but there's still a human connection. Mm-hmm. And, and really, if you have questions, you know, you moved into the area, you're just looking for something, give us a call. You know, we can help you out. I don't want to say that we're the the two one one of the the area, but you know, no, we usually you know if someone you know really wants to have a good deep tour, we always turn them over to the chamber, sure. and just you know, chamber's really great. Go talk with Angel. Go talk with Carrie. They're going to help you out because they're going to know more than what we know. Or if you have family coming in the area and want to have some activities for our visitors, go head over to the visitors bureau. And if you're looking for all those links, you can jump on the website. It's myrapids.info and you can find a whole bunch of information about the area as well. Right. And we are still looking for a lamb 
owner. So anybody who's out there who's listening, who knows who someone who raises lamb, please get in contact with us so that we, we can we can now add lamb to the list of food. And if you have other questions or comments or want to shoot us an email, it's myrapidsradio at gmail.com. That is correct. All right. Or you can text us at 715-323-2577. You would be happy to talk about culinary stuff and foods and all, oh, all yeah. the food of love sort of things. <laughs> so yeah, that was my great phone call for, for this morning or this afternoon when I was driving home. So it was great. I enjoy talking with our, our cow guy. It always makes me happy. Super excited that the cows are getting fat. Super excited to go and pick up the cow once it's all been processed. Stay tuned for the cow episode. I think we just had it. Oh, no, because we talked about the first phone call. There is the, <laughs> the cow is ready. Well, and then we go. Uh, and then we talk to the butcher shop. Right. About how we're going to process it. Right. We have that conversation. And then there's the day to go and get Jorge. And we bring Jorge home. It is a very magical day. And then usually when we're at the butcher shop, we get a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Just, oh, yeah. you know, things that, you know, um, meat sticks and brats and the homemade stuff like that is just so much better than... We always come home with some bacon. Oh, my goodness. So the, mm-hmm. you know, the fresh made bacon yet too on top of it. Oh, it is a good day to go to the butcher shop. Not only did you have a good day... But I also experienced something at the gas station today. Ooh. It's fantastic. I, I ran into uh, someone who I knew, not like actual physically ran into, but, you know, saw each other and said hello. And he was from a connection I had in my previous job. And so we got talking about real estate. And he's like, wow, you're doing that? And I'm like, yeah. And how's the market? It's, it's phenomenal. It's a great time to list your house for sale. Of course, most every time is a good time to list your house for sale. But now really, 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 really is, especially to get your house listed here before interest rates start to go up and the buyers kind of um, have a different mindset. Mm -hmm. So that's also one of the reasons why new and uh, gently used car sales, you go past the car dealer lot and they're virtually empty. Yeah, we went by wheelers and you know, hardly any cars. Right. Well, there's a production end of things. That's a challenge. Um, get, getting the, especially like the computerized items for the vehicles and transportation. And then the biggest part of it is money's cheap right now. So just like borrowing money for a mortgage, borrowing money for a, a vehicle is also, you know, interest rates are low mm-hmm. and people have been jumping on that the last you know, 10, 12 months. Right. So having this conversation with, with my buddy, and talking about, you know, kind of generally what his house is like. And I was there a while ago, so I sort of knew. And I'm like, you know, it could be even up in this price range. And I gave him a price. But we would have to go and see the house just to make sure because that's part of what we do. We have to see what the condition it is right. in now. He goes, wow, I bought it three years ago. And it's doubled in value from, you know, what, what I owe now currently on, on the mortgage. Like, yeah, see, because you did a couple of good things. You effectively paid into your mortgage so that it's at a good place now. And, it, you know, not unreasonable, a uh, couple, uh, like one or two extra payments a year. Mm-hmm. And really everything has just appreciated so much. So that, that was exciting. And I know you've had conversations like that too with people. Oh, yeah. It's, it's really great to, uh, to meet, you know, past people and, you know, from, from other avenues that we were down, you know, just to, to meet with them and, and see them and kind of catch up with what they've been doing since the last time we saw them. And, you know, asking those questions of, okay, well, you know what, I bought my first house, you know, four or five years ago. Now it's getting kind of cramped. You know, what do I do with it? You know, just having those great conversations of, you know, here's, here's some good things that you can be doing, you know, we go over there, we take a look at it and definitely can give you some pointers of, you know, for sure, let's, let's get rid of the neon green room. You know, let's tone some of these colors down just a little bit. We try to get the homeowner then to look at the house as if there were buyers. You know, you've lived there for a good time. You feel comfortable with it. You know, the missing trim doesn't really bother you, but if you're buying a house, you would want the trim in. Now, 
we lived in a house for, what, a good seven years without trim? Yeah, something like that. Well, it wasn't like the entire house didn't have trim, but when we did a door replacement, the door trim broke coming off and it just wasn't a priority to put it back on because it's cosmetic. Right. It didn't affect our quality of living. Right. We just didn't have door trim on. Um, even in, in the kitchen, yeah. when, when I removed the, the carpet, floor. yeah, mm-hmm. we removed the carpet from, from there and we added the tile. I just never put the trim back on because, well. It didn't affect our quality of yeah, living. Yeah, it wasn't affecting the quality of living, but in order to sell it, we needed for sure that door trim on that needed to get done. It needed to look kind of finished. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just kind of having those conversations of, you know, let's, let's paint. You know, we really love that the kids love that neon green, but to a buyer coming in, they're going to be looking at, you know what, now I have to go get a can of paint. I may have to get two cans of paint. You know, there's $200 there. They're going to be adding up those little tiny things to see how much they're going to be spending in order to make it move and ready. When you can make the house ready, move and ready by those, what I call quick fixes, you know, do the the low cost, but high impact. So paint is always one of them. And just even cleaning carpets, because again, we don't want to remove the carpet and put in hardwood floors when the new homeowners are going to want the carpet. Sometimes, depending on the condition of some of those items, we can uh, make notes that we, we've understood that these items are in the condition they're in and we're uh, marketing it with a price to reflect that. Right. Um, and, and especially before this craziness, so we're talking like a year and a half ago, that was very popular to have an allowance already put in for carpeting. Yep, we're going to give it like a $5,000 allowance for, you know, new carpeting or for the new bathroom, you know, whatever it happens to be. But yeah, that is kind of gone a little bit away. And it's now it's just, let's get the house to to a, a level point where, yeah, we're going to make some fixes to it. But some of that major stuff, we're just going to kind of leave be and go with that. Yeah, it's it's a great time to list your house for sale. It is. And I just got back from doing a listing. So I went and chatted with a family. They're not ready to list yet. They've got a few things. And these were some of the things we were talking about. Super excited little boy. Um, He wanted to show me his swing set. So, you know, in this process of how do I get my house ready to be sold? We always talk about what is staying with the house and what is going. The number one thing that we always mention is, you know, our, our fixtures. So this particular home had a swing set. So we went outside, we were looking at it, you know, asking the, the usual questions, are you going to take it with? And she's like, well, I don't really know. You know, I'm undecided. So the little boy was really excited about it. And I happened to look at his swing set and he had the cool slide. The cool slide? The cool slide. I was like all over the slide. I'm like- So, so like the, the like 20 gauge aluminum or steel metal? Not that cool. Oh, because those were really hot, actually. Those were hot. Okay, so the cool slide. This is the cool slide. And I looked at him. I'm like, you have a super cool slide. Did you know that? And he's like, it's a slide. He had no idea what I was talking about. The mom kind of looked at me like, okay, have you never seen a slide before? But I'm like, it's a super cool slide. And so I went over there. I'm like, and she's like, okay, so what's cool about my slide? I'm like, hey, I said, notice on these rails going all the way down. You notice how it's indented on both sides? There's a, about a two-inch gap, and it's down about, you know, a half inch. And so I showed her the little rail. She goes, I guess I didn't really pay that much attention to it. I'm like, that's for your Matchbox cars. And oh, she's yeah. like, what? I'm like, yeah. So I was explaining this to the little boy, and I'm like, do you, got a, do you have a little Matchbox car? And he's like, a what? And I'm trying to explain to a five-year-old what a Matchbox car is, which then I realize I don't know how to speak child anymore so the mom goes go get one of your cars the little cars that you like to play with he's like oh I got lots of those so he scampers off into the house and he comes back with a car I'm like put it in this rail and he did and sure enough it went all the way down he's like that is so cool I'm like I know you have the cool slide mm-hmm. so super fun I mean it's always great to you know when you go on these listing appointments you know to touch base with with everybody there because it's not just the parents who are moving it's also the kids yeah. Yet too, and just be able to have that little little connection with him. I think I left and he was still outside playing with his slide because he finally found out what that was for. That's Mom so awesome. had no idea. She's like, oh my gosh. I'm like, 
hey, you can race the cars with each other. You got two runs, race the cars, have the kids race the cars, see who can go down first, the cars or the kid. We had that discussion. This kid is really enjoying his slide. So he's like, mom, can we take the slide with? Because it's a cool slide. That's awesome. It is. Now, one of the things to help people envision their own place through the eyes of a buyer coming in Mm -hmm. is by, you know, taking some cell phone photos real quick. Um, We don't use those for listing photography, but it kind of gives a general impression of someone who's just walking into the house, what they would see. Mm -hmm. It sort of takes you out of that element that you're used to. And you can look at it from a different perspective, I guess, or a different viewpoint. And people start saying, wow, this is really cluttered or this really doesn't work as a staged item. You know, like we keep saying you need to stage stage it for the sale, not stage it for how you live. Right. And And this was, this was a, a really neat home. Mm -hmm. So they had a lot of really neat things going with it. So the gate at the top of the stairs, it's a bi-level home. So they had a gate to keep the dogs down and the kids up, but the gate was set up differently. So you didn't even know that there was a baby gate there. And I don't even want to call it a baby gate. It's a puppy gate. It was a, it was really cool, but it slid in between the rail. So when you came up the stairs, all you saw was, you know, the spindles. And you're like, okay, well, we've got, at least we've got a rail. We got a safety rail. No one can fall into the stairwell. That's really cool. But then when we were downstairs, the dog wasn't down by us. And I was just kind of curious about that. And we came upstairs and the gate was closed. I'm like, where did that gate come from? So she opened up the gate and then she slid it into the wall. So it was like a pocket gate, if we could call it that. But talking with the homeowner and having them, you know, they're going through their normal daily activity at that point. But finding out those really neat niches that the house has that we can emphasize on, you know, the listing or we can talk about it at an open house because baby gates are always kind of hard for some agents to get in and out, homeowners in and out, buyers, same thing. So, you know, knowing that it's it's like a pocket gate, pretty cool. So we're getting just about done with our first hour here. Wow, it's been an hour? Yep. So stick around. We're coming back for hour two. We're awesome. Gonna talk more deeply about the market and what had happened this past month and how it compares to last year and the month before. So a lot of exciting things to come. If you're curious about listings in the area, head over to MyRapids.com and get to know you, Carrie. You, you can, there's some drop-down menus. Yeah. We've got our podcast and our blog and current listings there. So stick around. We'll be back for hour two here on AM 1320 WFHR. All righty. See you soon.